Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to the Behind the Bits podcast, where my guest and I talk serious about stand-up comedy. We're at episode 9, and my guest is Greg Schwem. He is a corporate comedian from Chicago, Illinois, and he's a heavy-hitter corporate comedian that's worked for McDonald's, Hyatt Hotel, Cisco. He's done shows for almost all the big corporate names you could uh, think of. So he's been very successful at that, and the nice thing about Greg is he started out as a regular old comic, just like all of us are. I think that corporate comedy is a viable option for some of us, and this is a great episode for anybody who would like to explore that or find out what it's all about. I wanted to quickly mention Greg's YouTube channel, A Comedian Crashes Your Pad. It's a really cool channel where he videos his uh, stays at Airbnbs all over the country where he's doing shows. It's a little bit of history. It's a little bit of interacting with the host and a little bit of human-to-human contact that's uh, not scripted. I really enjoy it, and I think you will too. So check that out on YouTube. It's called A Comedian Crashes Your Pad. And with no further ado, here is Greg Schwem. Welcome back to the Behind the Bits podcast. I'm still Scott Curtis, and with me today, I've got Greg Schwem. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing great, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Um, As we talked a little bit before we started recording here, you reached out to me on Twitter, and you were somebody I was looking for. So it's uh, it's kismet. Things uh, things happen the way the the way they're supposed to happen. I'm really glad that you reached out. Thank you, Uh, Greg. Tell me a little bit about um, what you do currently. Mm-hmm. Well, currently I do uh, stand-up comedy and uh, humorous speech speeches, but my audience is specifically uh, in the business world. I do large corporations. I do business associations. Uh, you really don't find me at a comedy club. It's not to say I don't do them, but for I'd say about the past 20 years or so, uh, that has been my niche, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that, is just performing co- at corporate events uh, for the business world. Right. Now, you and I are about the same age. Um, mm-hmm. When did you actually start doing stand-up? I started about in 1989. Okay. Um, I, was a, I was a TV news reporter in Florida and did stand-up on the side, it's something I'd been doing since college just as a hobby. But it became more than a hobby while I was working as a journalist. And eventually I decided I liked making people laugh more than depressing them. (laughs) So um, it was kind of weird because there were days I was doing both. I was doing really serious hard news stories. Uh And then six o'clock and roll by and roll around and my my piece would be on TV and I'd be done for the day. And I'd go to the comedy club two hours (laughs) later. and eventually I decided I liked doing that more. So I, I, I left uh, journalism. I left broadcast journalism and moved back to Chicago. And uh, I started doing stand-up. And that was, yeah, that was uh, the fall of 1989. Okay, cool. Um, and your, your degrees in journalism, obviously. Um, so you're a little off track from that. But uh, I, I suppose you talk a little bit about current, current events in your act. Well, also, I think it's great to have a journalism background because I think it helps in your writing of comedy. And I think, um, and also, I like the fact that I was a broadcast journalist because when you're a TV reporter, obviously you're in front of people every night and you have to go out and interview those people. So it's, it's kind of like you had an audience right. for every every story that I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does. I, I'm sure that helps with uh, mm-hmm. being comfortable on stage and, and all the things that 
a lot of people have morbid fears about. So that you know that would that that definitely helps. So thinking about when you started out, did you um, start out going to the clubs, doing open mics and stuff like that? I did. I started just as a regular club comic. I, I moved back to Chicago, but I was on the road a lot. I worked the South a lot. I, I worked the Midwest. And um, I did what every comedian thought they were supposed to do, which was just work comedy clubs week after week after <laughs> week. And I um, got very bored with that very quick and kind of kept saying to myself, is there a future in this? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer that kept coming up was, I don't know. And if I didn't know, I thought I, I've got to f- figure out some way to sort of separate myself from the pack in in some way. And and that's when I at about the same time that I was having misgivings about working clubs over and over was when uh, people started to approach me after shows and ask if I wanted to come down to their office or their their company and do some of the bits that I had done in my uh, my club act. Right. And you've you've done some pretty heavy hitters as far as uh, corporate comedy. I mean, I saw yeah. Cisco in there, IBM, right. um, Hyatt, uh, United Airlines. I mean, I mean, you're not just doing um, uh, mom and pops uh, uh, Elkhart trailer business. <laughs> you're <laughs> not doing the Christmas party. Yeah. <laughs> where, I, where I take the DJ's microphone for 45 minutes. Right, right. I, uh, um, it, and that's been, it's, it's been very gratifying. But yeah, as, as, uh, um, as I started to do more and, and learn how to market myself and realized that uh, even these big corporations wanted to laugh and needed that break in their meeting or mm-hmm. three-day conference or so forth, um, that's, uh, I, I just kind of put my foot in the door and things escalated. So obviously you had to make some sort of a, um, a, a decision and a transition. How long did it take you to say, okay, I'm doing the clubs now and um, making somewhat of a living, but I want to get into the corporate stuff. How, how long did it take you to turn that around before you felt like the corporate stuff was a comfortable way to way of life and way of making a living for you? Right. I, I think that's a great question. I, I think it's, it was probably about a year because when you, you first of all, to, to do comedy in a corporate environment, you can't just you can't just take your club act and bring it into um, a morning conference and go on at 9 a.m., which, right. which I do a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, it really it's a learning curve and, and can be kind of a rough learning curve, too. And a lot of comedians who have tried corporate events, they go, well, you know, these people just don't get me or that didn't work or they sucked or they just didn't laugh or anything. Well, you know, you, you, you got to do it more than once to kind of feel them out. So um, I just realized after a few shows that number one, I just thought to myself, I really feel comfortable in front of these people. And I like making them laugh about what they do and doing jokes that I, if you did them in a, in a comedy club setting, people wouldn't get them. Right. Stand. You can't do jokes about, you know, about Microsoft's new software, uh, so forth in, in, a, in a nightclub. But if you do it in front of a bunch of Microsoft engineers, they're going to think that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, but I had to learn how to customize and how to, um, I, I think the biggest thing for me was learning how to sort of straddle the line between having fun with a corporate audience without 
belittling them with mm. being mean with, or without it seeming that I was being mean or or was just overly sarcastic or ridiculing what they do. And that's another mistake. I think that a lot of guys that and, and women who do corporate events, they tend to make they 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 tend to push it too far. And then all of a sudden a, a corporate audience will turn on you immediately if they feel like what they're doing is being um, ridiculed by you. Right. I mean, especially like in, you know, uh, if you were doing Cisco and uh, they just uh, had a a lot of their uh, routers recalled or something like that. And you bring that up. Layoffs. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there, yeah, there are certain topics you don't go to. And I've worked for companies that have said to me, it's okay. You know, like basically they've said, we can take a joke. Don't push it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you, you, we realized, like you said, we just had a lot of our routers recalled and it made the news. If you want to do a joke or two about how we're trying to recover from that, that's fine. But don't do 10 minutes right. because then we're going to get annoyed. Right. I would imagine that uh, with uh, doing corporate comedy, you've probably got a core set of bits that you do, but you have to do a little bit of investigation, a little bit of research into that company so that you can make it work for them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I can't come out and do, uh, you know what, I can't write a different hour show for every group that I'm working for. Mm. I, I just can't do that. But my my whole uh, MO, if you want to call it that, is to research them enough and write enough custom material just so they know that I'm not doing a canned presentation. Right. Um, and and that, and that they really appreciate that. I'll, I'll give you a great example. I'm doing a show in about a week in Traverse City, Michigan, for the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. So mm. I got on some of their social media feeds, and I read some of their press releases, and I found out that uh, so there was a lawmaker in Michigan who has proposed a bill or thrown his support behind a bill that would eliminate, um, in, in <laughs> they call it, Surprise billing, surprise, uh-huh. surprise medical billing, which I've never heard. I think that's a funny term, <laughs> you know, because to me, every medical bill you get is a surprise. Oh, yeah. At some point. You know, it might not be, oh, they're going to charge me for these services, but it might be the, the amount that I was charged for two x-rays yeah. or something like that. But I didn't realize that existed. So I, that's what I try to do. So I will write material about that. And and things that I think are funny, even if the audience, even if my audience, they might go, oh yeah, surprise medical billing. Yeah, we deal with that every day. But what I like to do is show them that there's humor in that kind of thing. Right. And that, I think as soon as you make that connection, the, they know that you know what they're all about. And, and I know every, every industry has its own, uh, its own, terminology and its own nomenclature and stuff like that if you get a, if you put a few of those in there uh oh, yeah. i i would think you're just gold after that because yeah, they're absolutely. like hey this guy gets me right <laughs> and it, it doesn't always hit but if at least they know and, and as i said there's nothing worse than than i i'm not a big you can tell when when speakers in the corporate sector are doing a speech that they've done over and over and over again, and it really doesn't matter what the audience is or who they are or what they do. Right. And I, I think that's very phony. Um, and I don't mind, you know, I, I don't mind being very vocal about that because I put a lot of extra time in and I think that's what the, these audiences want. Yeah. And that, that, that's, that's got to work so well for you. So, I, I don't want to back up too much, but uh, so you're doing you're doing the corporate gigs and you get good at it. 
um, and you and you're like, okay, I know I'm good at this. You obviously weren't doing Cisco and Hyatt and stuff like that out of the gate. How did you get to? Obviously, you are um, probably aggressive about marketing yourself. I mean, what from what I'm seeing on your website and stuff like that, you're very good at yeah. keeping things up to date. How how did you get yourself to a point where you could go up to um, Cisco and say, hey, um, I think I'd be a good speaker for your uh, your yearly whatever meeting. Well, I mean, I think a lot of times that one great thing about doing corporates is they kind of do some of that work for you. Because if you work for these companies, these big companies that have tentacles and branches all over the all over the country, all over the world, once they find out about you, uh, they do tend to talk sometimes or um, because if they if you have a good show and you didn't offend anybody and you didn't tick anybody off and everybody had a good time. Well, if you're a meeting planner, that's exactly what you want to hear. Because right. That's one less thing you have to worry about. So um, I a lot of uh, I yes, I do a lot of marketing and I have a very uh, good client list. And usually I about just about any company that I either cold call or cold email, I can say within your industry. I've worked for bang, 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 and bang. I mean, mm. Some of them might be their competitors, but it's enough where they say, oh, so he's he's done shows for the insurance sector or the pharmaceutical uh, sector or so forth. But um, yeah, I, I think there, there's nothing I enjoy more than like some of my shows are everybody in the audience works for the same company. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my shows, everybody in the audience works for the same industry, meaning they all work for separate companies. And those are my dream audiences. Uh, yeah, I bet. Association of pharmaceutical companies, because then they all go back to their own company and they go, we just heard this guy at the yearly association meeting and we're having our own event. Why don't we bring him in for that? Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are the audiences I want to go after. That's great. One of the things, you know, I've been just messing around with stand up for about five years because I'm a really late bloomer. But um, I talk to a lot of young people and they I I see them kind of arrive. I I see them get to where they, they could actually do they could do a guest spot. They could maybe do a feature or something like that. But they're scared to ask and they're they're scared to get like a professional headshot, um, get uh a, a nice bio or something like that. And that's one of the things I always encourage them to do. I mean, you, if, if you're good, then go out and get what, get what you want and, um, and what you need. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and the way you went about it, obviously, I mean, it probably took a while for that word of mouth thing to get started, but you, you obviously are on a roll now and that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I wanted to talk about on corporate comedy, um, you know, I think we discussed before we started recording that that I work pretty clean, and obviously in corporate comedy you got to work clean, and um, clean is different for a lot of different companies. Right. <laughs> um, no definition. Everybody has their own, and, and that's. Um that's something that the definition is getting, I want to say the definition of, well, let's put it this way. The definition of what's offensive is getting broader exponentially. Yeah. Just a little bit. And that's a problem. That's Mm -hmm. something that is really difficult. uh, If you, you know, everybody wants to laugh now. 
don't get me wrong, Scott. Everybody wants to laugh. Everybody thinks it would be a great, at least what I do. Everybody thinks it'd be a great idea to have somebody come in and make their audience laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hasn't gone away. But then they say, okay, however, we have these people and these people and these people, and we have uh, we we have people from foreign countries here, and two thirds of the audience is women, and uh, one third of the audience does over a half a million dollars in sales with us. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, they they factor in all that, and they start wondering, is this a good idea? And uh, the the answer, obviously, that I can give is, of course, it's a great idea if you hire the right person. And I know that sounds incredibly biased, but. Mm-hmm. All I can do, basically, all I can do is just say, uh, "Trust me, you know, mm-hmm. trust me." Doing it for twenty years, but again, I I can't. It's it's becoming very hard to try and outguess or stay ahead of people over what is and is offensive, and I, I what is and is not offensive, and I, I'm really not sure what the answer to that is, other than. You know, if you keep if you continue to just stay very family and focus, I, I like to look at my audience and think, OK, these are people like me. They're people with kids uh, for the most part, married people with kids, hardworking people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of material about that who are, are very passionate about their jobs. So you can have some fun with their jobs and so forth. And but just I I've always stayed away from politics, even before the political climate got so volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I'm always been of the believer, a belief that people, either whether they go to comedy clubs or they see a comedian in any kind of setting, uh, they want to get away from that. Right. And I, I, when I sit down to write and and script out my my show and my set list, I'm always looking at my material, thinking, okay, do they want to hear about this topic, or would it be better? I might have some really funny jokes about it that I think are hilarious, but does the audience really want to hear that? Uh, I think people just want to be entertained right they they want to be entertained but it's it's such a um the it's such a volatile landscape right now on on what you can say and what you can't say i i would imagine that you've probably had to change some stuff up in the last few years even though it's pretty yeah, tame a few bits that i've done that maybe i like maybe i just can't do that anymore or um i i, I don't know if i can give you specific example oh well i will give you Okay, I will give you one about. Um, I, I thought this was funny, right? At, okay, and and again, I'm bringing President Trump into this. It's not a question of whether I do or I don't like President Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not important in the context of this example. But right after, okay, so right after he was elected, I thought it would be funny to, in the middle of my presentation, I I use multimedia in my presentation. I use video and mm-hmm. I use audio and I you know all that kind of stuff. So I thought it would be funny. To uh, in the about fifteen minutes in, the audience would hear a bong and you know a ding sound, and I go, "Oh, you know what that means?" I go, "President Trump can't be here today, but he's live tweeting this show." Uh-huh. So every time every time you hear that sound, that means that the president has just tweeted about it. And then I there's a, usually a video screen in the back. So I'd go, let's go to the president's live Twitter feed, and I had mocked up I had mocked up a you know, like a, a, a fake tweet from the president, from mm. his account. You know, you can Photoshop and things like that. And it'd always be something about me. It'd be like, you know, so far haven't laughed once comedian, you know, hashtag loser. <laughs> you know, 
Uh-huh. And why isn't this event in a Trump hotel? <laughs> Not about them, just mostly self-deprecating towards me. Right. Um, and that was funny for about two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I just finally had to stop. Yeah. And people were just the minute, the minute the name was mentioned, they, they didn't even let me. People these days, they don't even let you finish the joke. If they hear something, and this is this is bad because it's this really makes uh, this is a struggle that comedians have is that people now form judgments about what you're going to say before you say it. They'll right. hear a word like a buzzword that they think, oh, no, 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 no. He can't talk about that. Well, wait until you hear the whole context mm-hmm. and then form your opinion. But unfortunately, people don't don't do that anymore. Right. There's nothing I can do about it. So it's best just not to bring up those words. Right. You know, it's funny. Um, I went through that. Like I said, my, my act is pretty clean, but I've got, I've got a uh, joke that I've, I've since taken out and it may come back, but um, you know, I've been with my wife for 37 years. So I talk about, um, how I was able to keep that up. And I talk about how I'm a different kind of guy. I don't get into sports. I don't get into working on my car. Um, what I really like to do is, um, uh, lay in bed and watch, uh, um, project runway with my wife and there's more to it. But, uh, the first time I did it, I said, so the reason why we stayed together so long is I'm my wife's gay roommate. And there you go. Yeah. (laughs) But I did that. And, um, the, uh, uh, a gay guy came up to me and said, that was great. That was the best, best joke. So I did it again. And, um, I just, instead of saying my gay roommate, I just said, I'm gay. And, um, I got an email from somebody saying, you may not know this, but the way that joke came off was uh, you were making fun of gay people. And, and it, it was longer than that, but I'm like, you know, I definitely don't, I don't have the intention of right. pissing anybody off and yeah, but you don't get, yeah, you, you're not allowed to, yeah. you're not allowed to give your, give your side. Right. You know, I, I will tell you right now in a corporate environment, if I did that, if I bang, bang, bang. So the reason my wife and I've stayed together for 37 years is I figured out I'm her gay roommate. Uh-huh. The show would crash and burn. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, said that. I don't care how well it was going before. That's all they'd need to hear. Yeah. And then, I, you know, and then at the end of the show, in the end of the uncomfortable silence, when I walked off stage, the first person that would walk up to me is the head of human resources and say, <laughs> by the way, didn't we say no offensive material? Yeah. That's the way that would come up. They wouldn't say, you know, uh, we didn't like the gay reference or do you know that there are some gay people in part of our company and we're very open company. And of course we accept people of all races, religions and creeds and sexual orientations, which I know is great, but that's what I would get. I yeah. would get, we told you not to be offensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's where I'm coming from. And don't get me wrong. It doesn't, um, I, I find that there were, there would probably be a lot of comics that say, I can't do this anymore. I, mm. I just can't. You know, there's comics that are saying, I can't do colleges anymore. I just can't. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, to me, uh, though, it, it it just makes it the challenge um, it more. I don't want to say fun, but it makes it more challenging. It's like if I can. But if I can continue to do this and continue to make the corporate world laugh, even though the uh, uh, the the 
the whole what's what you can say that's getting smaller. The box is getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's that's a real it's a challenge and one that I relish. Put yeah. It that way. Yeah. I and the the funny thing is, is all it takes is one word and and that and one person. One right. Person to complain. Yeah. And that is the same as really when you're writing and you've got a concept for a joke and you're trying to get it down to set up punch or set up and three punches or whatever. Um, when you're cutting out, you really have to look at everything for content too and say, you know, how is this going to play for an audience of um, people who are 40 to 60 and how is this going to play for an audience that's uh, 18 to 25? You know, you, exactly. you and uh it's right. yeah it's really writing editing and then the hard part is still t- staying true to yourself and uh enjoying what you do pander you don't want to be the point where you're pandering to people i mean i have i have there have been a few jokes, you know, like, as I said, I, uh, my presentations include multimedia, they include PowerPoint, uh, and so forth. And one thing I do is I let my clients see the PowerPoint. I don't write my whole act out, but that's uh-huh. my way of sort of compromising with them. And I let them see it. And I, and I basically say, I don't want you to look at this. I don't want you to look at this for, is this funny or not? Because I, I always tell them, I go, there's going to be slides and images in there where you're going to say, where's he going with this? Mm-hmm. What, what? I don't get it. What does this have to do with this? And I always say, trust me, it'll all make sense. What I want you to do is, you know, I say, I want you to look at it for factual content. And, you know, did I, did I, uh, you know, is this, you know, does this topic I'm going to talk about relate to this branch of the audience type of thing? I don't mm-hmm. want to talk stuff that, that everybody in the company says that that's not us, you know, I'd like, cause that, that makes me look stupid. But, um, I said, in other words, don't, I don't want you to, you know, write my act for me or, or something like that. But, um, but I have fought <laughs> with clients a little bit on jokes where they say, Oh, you know, we can't have you making fun of this on our website. And, and sometimes if it's a joke, I know it's going to get a really good laugh at uh-huh. what they're talking about. <laughs> I, I might push back a little bit. I mean, ultimately they win. Ultimately, if it goes, if it gets too much, they I say, okay, I will take it out. But yeah. But I, but a lot of times I'll say, I've said, you know, I've done this, I've done this bit, you know, 50 times. I have never gotten a complaint. Right, right. Now, I would imagine that you are probably received a little bit better because you've, you've got kind of a corporate look about you. You, you, yeah. you look like, I mean, you're, you're mid fifties like I am. And, um, so when you first started doing it, you were obviously a younger guy. How 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 does is it different from a younger guy speaking, you know, in their thirties uh, speaking to these folks versus somebody in their fifties? Do you th- do you think it comes across a little different? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I the trend now I see. You know, I always say, I always ask. You know, what's the attire? What's the attire for the event? Nine times out of ten, it's business casual, and to me, mm. business casual means uh, a sport coat with an open collared shirt. Right. Right. That's what to me business casual means. Now, yeah. guys in their 20s and 30s means, okay, so my hair can be in a bun and <laughs> all my tattoos can be showing. I'll just wear a short sleeve shirt and a pair of black jeans. Uh. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not I'm not one to judge what other people – I, I've never had I, – I, I've never I, – I have looked at some – 
I've looked at some speakers sometimes and go, okay, man, really, you know, you maybe you could dress up a little more, but you know, for some of them, that's part of their persona, that whole hipster, you know, I'm a disruptor of the company yeah. kind of thing. And if that's the way you want to come off, Oh, you know, okay, that's fine. So, but it's, yeah, I'll tell you, I used to think uh, this is, I'll tell you this story. One of my very first corporate dates was in Hawaii mm-hmm. and I really thought that I'm trying to impress everybody. It's like, I'm a corporate entertainer. Now, corporate entertainers wear suits or they wear sport coats or because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd only been to Hawaii once and that was on my honeymoon. And I got out there and I went, it was, it, I, I put on my suit and I'm walking to the venue, which is an outdoor venue. All right? uh-huh. it's like one of these outdoor stages and everybody's <laughs> outside and so forth. And I, I mean, people were looking at me just like, Oh, are you here to audit something? <laughs> you know, and then I I got on stage. I looked at the audience. And they're all in Hawaiian shirts and shorts. Uh-huh. At eight o'clock at night, and I and I'm sweating bullets. And I was just like, I have to look like the biggest idiot in the world. Uh-huh. A suit at, at, at what is resort casual. So that's what I started saying. How's everybody else going to be dressed? Right, and, right. And I'll go up one notch. Uh, <laughs> if you're wearing sandals, I'll wear I'll wear sneakers. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that that way you don't uh, dehydrate. You don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I think I was the only guy in all of Hawaii wearing a suit that night. Right. Um. So what you do, I think, is part of something bigger that is something that I think is important to me. Uh, Just as an example, I work for a company that um, is taking some big swings at uh, at sales and trying to uh, go up the the different million dollar mark and uh, and hit some initiatives and stuff like that. So we are all as tense as tense can be. And we don't we don't take time to laugh or have fun or anything like that. And I know that that's detrimental to a company. Um, and I don't know if you've looked at, um, what, uh, what, you know, laughter and, um, laughing can do to a person physically. Um, but you know, I've looked into that a little bit. I think it's so important that first of all, you can laugh at yourselves, but second off, just laughing is so important to let the stress melt away. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's a there's so many speakers that say, hey, you know, laughter's healthy and so forth. And, you know, and it's like every yeah, everybody knows that it's mm-hmm. true. And, but I think that I think that people um, I think what what saddens me a little bit when I am pitching myself for these corporate events is when people say one of two things. They say we're not a funny organization mm-hmm. or they say this is not a good time for us to be laughing. And I I. I hear that and I think that's really sad. That's yeah. really sad that that's the kind of environment that exists in your organization because I don't I'm sorry. I don't I don't think I don't think there's a I don't think there's a right time to laugh. I I've been to some hilarious funerals. Oh yeah. Same. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and and people, you know, you you know how humor can cut the sadness. Mm-hmm. anything like that you know there's nothing better than a great wedding speech too i mean there's some bad ones but yep. there's nothing better than a really good one <laughs> to kind of pull everybody in and um and so when when people say that or they say you know well we just you know we had a um 
you know, we had a bad year and we, we, we finished in the red and so forth. We won't be left. Well, you know, OK, so let me come in and say this year's going to be better and we can laugh at our mistakes and so forth. And we can, you know, I'm, I'm not going to come in and go, wow, <laughs> down two million. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kills me. I'm not going to do that. But I have to sell that to people. I have to sell them on the idea. I actually did very well after 9-11. Mm-hmm. I had a pretty good year. Um, I, and, and, you know, not only did 9-11 come with tragedy, but after 9-11, there was a ton of layoffs at companies. Right. 2002 was a bloodletting. Uh, and I, I have always done pretty well in recessionary times, but I've had to sell that. I've, I've had to let people know that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, so for what that's worth. Yeah. I, I just really think that, you know, the hour that, that, uh, a company would spend, um, laughing at you, uh, or laughing at themselves is just super important. And I think those ones that say that we're, we're not at a point now where we should be laughing. Um, that's exactly the point where they should be. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Laughter. I always said laughter works in good times and bad times are good. People want to laugh when times are bad. People need to laugh. Right. Right. Did you ever um, have, I ask a lot of people this, did you ever have any point uh, in your career where you just wanted to walk away from it? Uh, Not for more than about 30 minutes. Okay. Comedy gets in your blood. I mean, yeah, I've had bad shows. I mean, we all had bad shows. Mm -hmm. And where you say, I just don't know if this is, uh, if this is me. Um, But, you know, all you have to do is have a couple of good ones and Mm -hmm. say, I know I can do this. I might not be able to do it every single, it might not hit every single night. Uh, you know, I can walk out there with material and, and just make an audience just hurts and have them give me a standing ovation. And I can do this, this the same, the exact same act, uh, five days later and get zip. And mm. that's, the, that's the amazing thing about comedy. You just, you just never know. It's, there's nothing, there's no hard and fast rule that, that this is going to work every single time. But again, that's that. I think that's what keeps a lot of people going is that that ongoing challenge of 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 doing of throwing it all out there and and seeing if you can make this group laugh every night. I mean, for me, I've I've had some frustrations probably the last couple of years because I look out and more and more people are on their phones. Yeah, and that's, um, and that's not something. <sighs> that's not something I can control. I mm-hmm. can't, I can't go out there at the beginning and saying, by the way, everybody better put their phones away. Uh-huh. Because now I'm the bad guy. I mean, nobody puts their phones away on planes when they say, turn off your phone. Right. You know, they're not going to turn them off for me. <laughs> um, and that's that, that, that bothers me because again, I'm, I'm going out there to give people a break. Mm-hmm. The emails and the texts and it, you know, and, and, and it's like, can you just, can you just maybe hold off for 45 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and if you absolutely have to take the call, you know, go out. But I, I mean, I've had, I've had people come in, walk into the showroom where I'm going to be the meeting room with an open laptop mm-hmm. had it in their hand and they sit on the, at the very end of the table. So there's an outlet nearby. And <laughs> I seriously want to walk up to these people and go, if, if what you're working on is that important, you should go to your hotel room. Yeah, you no know? doubt. Yeah. Both of us, you know, you won't be distracted by me and I won't have to look at you. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to make people laugh. <laughs> I, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask is, uh, doing what you do, what, what is your travel schedule like and how often are you home? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think people think that what I do because they look at my the list of companies I work for and they look to the places I work for and they think, wow, you must never be home. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons I got into doing corporates is the the hours and the schedule are actually much better. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I yes, I fly out, but I'm home the next day. When you would do clubs, you were gone for four or five days. You always worked nights. You right. always worked weekends. Uh, I rarely do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doing corporate events has allowed me to have a family life. When my kids were younger, I could I could be the manager of the softball team and go to some of their events and so forth. I didn't get to go to all of them, mm. but it wasn't just like, oh, you know, well, I can tell you if you're having anything on a Saturday night, dad's not going to be there. Right. Um, I, I never had to do that. So I, you know, I, I do about 40 of these a year, and that might not sound like a, a lot in a 365 day year, mm-hmm. but, um, the, the, you know, I get, I get paid more than doing clubs, but there's an, I spend the rest of my time either customizing the shows or, or, uh, marketing myself. Right. You know, I think people think comedians, they, they look at comedians and they say, wow, that's gotta be so hard being on stage. <laughs> and I always say, that's the easy part. That's uh-huh. the easy part. Of the day. It's the rest of the day. That's yeah. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's sustaining your business. Right. Um, one of the things that uh, a lot of comics talk about is they get bored with their material easy. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I've noticed is if you get bored with your material, maybe you haven't made people laugh with it um, yeah. good enough. Um, I mean, a laugh is a laugh. And uh, when the audience gives back to you, um, if that if you do that bit a thousand times, it still feels good if it, if it still works. So I do. Do you see that as well? Yeah, I do. I mean, I look back. I mean, how many times has James Taylor sung "Fire and Rain"? Yeah, no doubt. You know, hundreds of you know, tens of thousands mm-hmm. of times, probably. But you know, the audience still comes. They want to hear that, and it's up to him to make that sound, that song that he could sing in, he could play in his sleep to make it sound fresh every time. So, you know, I, I, I like to think there's a good mix. I mean, there are bits that I always enjoy doing that I know are going to get I'm about 90% sure are going to get good laughs and that I've been doing, you know, 10, 12 years. And as long as people still laugh at them, I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue doing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of comedians that would say, Oh no, you're supposed to retire. Every, you're supposed to come with a new hour every other year. Yeah. I will say one thing, uh, doing corporate events, uh, the the writing aspect of it is tough because you can't – when you do clubs, you have that ability. You have that luxury maybe if you're a headliner. So you're doing a 45 to a 50-minute act. You have that luxury of saying, okay, I'm going to stick 10 new minutes in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. And it might not work, but then I've got another show coming up at 1030 because it's a Saturday night. And maybe I just won't do that or I'll try different – I'll try a different – on a different twist Mm -hmm. Um, in what I do. I, I, it's been very difficult to work on new material. And I think it's kind of the attention span of the audience. Again, it's fighting them on their phones. You really do have to bang them with your double A stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's why I get so excited when I do come up with something new that works in the corporate environment. And the other thing is pretty much every new bit I come up with every new idea, the first thing I'm thinking of is how can I spin this, Mm -hmm. spin this, so it works in a corporate environment. How can I present this? Right. Uh, 
and that's that's a that's a big challenge. That's got to be tough because those those uh, those headliners, or even if you're just an open mic or whatever, if you do those five or ten minutes and it tanks, it's no big deal because you're going somewhere else. But if oh, you yeah. if you tank in front of Hyatt and uh, for <laughs> ten minutes, then they're not going to have you back. So well, yeah, and also you know, at a comedy club, it, for the most part, they don't have you know uh, take you know now. Now that the show's over, I mean, I know some say, what did you think of the show? But I mean, I have very, very people who go to conferences, they send out very, very specific, lengthy, what did you think of the conference uh, uh-huh. that they all want them to fill out. And and people will share. And, and a lot of times, um, you know, companies will share that with me. Mm-hmm. I, I know sometimes they'll share it. I, I, I know sometimes companies will cherry pick the the best ones. Yeah. And I'll look at them and go, that's really nice. But not everybody said that because people, you know, people love to complain. Right. You know, there's usually yeah. a couple of people who's like, well, I didn't think this content was relevant or, you know, I really wanted to hear more industry speakers and uh, you had this guy and, and I, you know, I, this is not really what I wanted at 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I mean, okay. I, I, if, I, there's nothing I can do about it. They put me on at ten o'clock. In the yeah, morning. I, didn't have, I didn't have a say in that. But, but yeah, you are right. The stakes, I think, are a lot higher when you do corporate events than they are when you do clubs in yeah. terms of how it's going to be perceived. I mean, people talk, and again, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to go up in front of a, a huge corporation that I talked about with lots of offices and branch offices and so forth and and lay an egg because you know that could be a lot of work that you suddenly didn't get right right before i forget your disruptor thing um is hilarious <laughs> oh the disruptor yeah. I, I was a disruptor in eighth grade yeah. yeah yeah there's those you know if you get on people's linkedin profiles now there's those buzzwords oh yeah disruptor uh I'm a serial entrepreneur. Oh, somebody somebody told me once a guy said that means you failed multiple times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you can't you keep jumping from one failed venture to the. Yeah. (laughs) And the funny thing is, is that is so cliche now, but you still see it. It, oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's 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 on LinkedIn. It's on Facebook, Twitter, all of it. It's it's hilarious to see that. I think Uber disrupted the taxi industry. I think Airbnb disrupted the hotel industry. Yeah. And after that, I I really I think those are the only companies where I could say, okay, you get to have that label. Right. The rest of you, <laughs> I, I I don't think you're you're a little out over your skis. Yeah. <laughs> so. Going back to new material, okay, so you've got five minutes that you want to change up in your um, act. Who do you bounce it off of? Is it like family, or do you do you have peers that you talk to? Conversation when I'm out socially or so forth, and not you know I'm never going to go. Hey, I wrote this new joke. What do you think? That's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, now you're not getting that 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 real response, right. You know, whoever you say that to is going to say, Oh, am I supposed to laugh here? Or am I supposed to make him feel good by laughing? Yeah. That's what I always, I always tell new comedians. I go, if you really want to do this, if you want to go to an open mic night, do not invite your friends. Exactly. Anybody that you know, Mm -hmm. because your friends are going to laugh at anything you say, they're going to laugh at all the wrong places. And at the end, they're going to tell you how great you were when you probably suck. Yep. Uh, you know, but if you go out in front of strangers, if you bomb and you go home, they don't have to see you and you don't have to see them. It, yep. It's over. 
But if you do well in front of people who have no vested interest in you, you might be onto something. Right. So how do I come with new material? Yeah, I uh, um, I might just sort of slip it into conversation. My wife always knows when I'm trying jokes out on her. I can't. I can't. Yeah. But um, but eventually you just have to do it. You mm-hmm. just have to get out there and see. And and, it, and I don't expect it to get a a blown away laugh. I, a lot of times, you know, I I have a side gig as a um, um, I write a. a every other week humor column for the Chicago Tribune syndicate. And sometimes when I'm working on material, sometimes I'll write a column about a, a topic that I want to put into my stand-up act. Mm. So that's kind of my way of writing. And then I'll put it on social media. And a lot of times I'll see how much feedback I get. Right. The more feedback you get, the more it relates to people. You know, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm toying right now with doing a bit on, on if you if you ever are just so sick of technology that you just need a break from technology, you should go visit your neighborhood deli because a deli is an industry that technology just completely passed. Yeah. <laughs> the same way as when your grandmother was in line. Exactly. A spool of plastic of, of paper numbers and everybody holds one. Yeah. They all get in line. You know, nobody comes breezing in with a salami app. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered this and I have frequent kielbasa points and all that crap. That That's great. Everybody just waits. Yeah. Been that way. And then, you know, the, the person slicing it. Yeah. There's no, there's no app for that meat slicer. Yeah. It's 1940s. You know? <laughs> so That's and, great. And I'm going to write about that and then I'm going to try that on stage. Right. Right. Um, one of the things that's important to keep your name out there is obviously the marketing. And I, I talked about, you know, your marketing is good. I just want to congratulate you. I looked at your blog um, and the last blog you put out was February 11th of of this year. Um, I can't tell you how many comics I go to their blog page. And the last one was three years ago or six years ago. And I'm like, just take it down. If you're not going to do it, you know. You put that fresh content up. Um, so obviously you're you're working all the angles to make sure your name's out there. Um, and it looks like you know if you're doing if you're doing the Tribune, if you're doing that column for the Tribune and the blog and and stuff like that, that seems like it probably draws a lot of people that may not have known you uh, before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You just, you know, these days you just, you know, it's like, it's like darts. You just throw a lot of them out there and you see which one hits the bullseye. And I, I think one of the ways to, that you have to, to be successful at this is you just have to continue to develop fresh content, even if it's, even if it's in areas, you know, it, it, you know, am I a big fan of Instagram? No, I, I don't quite get it. Mm-hmm. I don't quite get Instagram, but I like, but I need to be up there just cause you never know. You never know you know, who might see something or who might, you know, I, I have gotten, I have gotten jobs off of article, off of blog posts and articles that I posted on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. something like that. So, yeah. Um, and plus it's, you know, it's, it's a great way to take up your day. Oh yeah. I think. Well, and obviously you're writing, so that's a creative process. And the more you exactly. do that, the better you get at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was another thing I was going to ask. Do you have a a routine or a schedule for writing? I don't. There are comics that can do that. I mean, I've heard it like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld says, you know, he gets up and he writes an hour a day on a legal pad. Mm-hmm. I have never been able to do that. Yeah. I cannot sit down and say I'm going to be funny for the next hour. I try it and I 
for one reason or other, it just doesn't work for me. Um, I wish it did. I yeah. wish it did. And some, and some comics would say, well, you just need to be more disciplined. Well, maybe. <laughs> In your mind, I do. But yeah. what do you do the rest of the day after that hour? So I think I'm very disciplined. Right. I just, you know, it, to me, when it comes to me, it comes to me. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I, I heard one guy that was um, um, doing a, the 20-20-20 thing every morning. Uh, 20 minutes of meditation, 20 minutes of writing, and 20 minutes of reading. So that got your creative juices going at the beginning of the day. And then I think about getting up an extra hour early to do that kind of stuff. And it, it's just a, it's a non-starter for me. So. <laughs> Maybe someday, but man, it just, uh, you get tired, especially if you're out till uh, midnight doing a mic oh, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'm not a late night guy. Never have been. I, I don't know why I picked this profession. So. <laughs> You know, I, some guys are like, oh, you know, 2 a.m., that's when I'm at my best. Well, 2 a.m., that's when I'm horizontal. Yeah. <laughs> my my brain shuts off at, yeah, by 2 a.m. That's one of the reason. I, I mean, I love doing... I love doing morning shows. I love doing shows. I would have been, I would have been great in Branson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I keep threatening my wife with that. You know, like maybe I moved to Branson and I can, I can be that breakfast guy. No uh, doubt. The, the, the brunch comic. Yeah. <laughs> But I enjoy those. I enjoy getting up at like four thirty in the morning and prep, and knowing that I have a a presentation to do at nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know the adrenaline's flowing, and the coffee's flowing, and the coffee and the audience is flowing. They're not they're not liquored up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think those are some of my favorite audiences. Yeah. Um, there, I read an article, I, I should have saved it, but, uh, uh, I'm a procrastinator and they say that the procrastinators, when you're in a creative field are actually put out the best content because even when you're not sitting down and making yourself right, um, you are thinking about it all the time. So when you finally put that content out, it's, it's actually better than if you had been writing all along. And I, I'll, I'll use that excuse for a while. Um, just, (laughs) just because that's all I got right now. So, (laughs) um, I like to ask a lot of the people I talk to, um, when you started out in stand up, uh, what, you know, now versus what, you know, then what, what are a couple of things you wish you knew when you first started? Um, I think I knew that first of all, there's an awful lot of people who say they're going to help you. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah. They might have their best intentions. These might be some of your best friends, Yeah, but in, in the long run, you're the only person that can really uh, get to the next level. Mm. You're going to figure that out. I mean, you know, you, you have, I mean, when you say to other comedians, Hey, you know, you know, you're on stage at this club and can you put in a good word for me or can you do this? Or can you, if I gave you my video or a link to my website, can you show it to, you know, and, and I I still do that. I still will reach out to people who have achieved an awful lot of fame Mm. in this business. And, you know, I usually get a nice email. Yeah, yeah, sure. And of course, I never hear anything. And I don't yeah. necessarily think that's them being a jerk. I just think everybody's got their own agenda. I mean, entertainment, no matter what avenue you pursue, is a cutthroat business. Yeah, I think that's true. And I've I've told my I've told my daughter. I have a daughter who just graduated from college and was until very recently in the job market. And I just said, you know, I go, you can continue reaching out to people, and it's good and network, but don't ever say 
I'm going to stop looking now because this person said they're going to put in a good word for me with the head of this company. I exactly. Go, don't do that. Never yeah. ever think that someone's going to do it because they got their own, they got their own agendas. Right. And, and, and you, that's just, that's just the nature of, of uh, humanity. I think. Yeah. You got to so make your own way. One yeah. One thing. Yeah. That, that, that makes total sense. Um, I did want to talk about some, I mean, you've got so much stuff going on. Um, <laughs> Uh, tell me a little bit, a little bit about the Funny Dad website. Uh, Funny Dad Inc. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I found myself writing a lot of blog posts and doing a lot of material in my act about my kids. Obviously, I mean, every comedian that has kids does something about it. Mm. But I, uh, and then it was getting picked up. Uh, like the Today Show started running a lot of the pieces. The Today has a they have a, a blog, a, the parenting blog, mm-hmm. and they were running a lot of my pieces. And it was got it getting a lot of. Um, it was, it was getting, they were getting a lot of uh, feedback and so forth, both good and bad. Um, it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> Moms can be a really tough crowd if they don't agree with what you wrote about. But uh, no doubt. Yeah. Yes. But I, I thought, well, you know, maybe I should make a separate, even though I'm, I'm very business focused and that's what you see when you go to gregschwem.com, you see, oh, this guy does gigs for business groups. But I thought maybe I should try and come up with a separate website that focuses specifically on family and saying, okay, well, if you have a family audience or if you have that kind of thing, why don't you go over here and you can see I can do material and talk about topics that aren't technical, mm-hmm. um, aren't businessy. So, and the Funny Dad Inc. was that the ink part of it came, I-N-C came from, okay, he's a business comedian. It was sort of the business of parenthood. So yeah, revolved back to, so it was kind of a, um, a good mix there. So, uh, yeah, I've been, uh, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't post to that side a lot, but I do. And my kids are getting older now, you know, I don't mm-hmm. have, I don't have eight and 10 year olds anymore that I can do. So, um, uh, but, um, so I mean that, that site might, I mean, you're always, you're always a dad. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when your kids are out of the house, <laughs> you know, there's not as much to write about. <laughs> you know, um, you someday you can do the funny grandpa website. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any kids at home? I do. I have a senior in high school. Okay. And as I said, my other one just graduated college and she's, you know, she's, uh, uh, she's working, but she's saving some money and, and living at home too. So right now, yes, I have both of them. At yeah. Home. Yeah. Let me tell you, when the empty nest stuff... Next topic, please. Yeah. (laughs) When the empty nest stuff happens, it's great. But when your one kid moves to Huntsville, Alabama, and your other kid moves to Virginia just out of D.C., it it really kind of sucks because, you know, um, we'll drive to Huntsville because it's such an easy drive, but it's always a flight to D.C. to see my daughter because it's just that drive is just not worth it. Yeah, I've got my and I've got my youngest one is going to college next year in in Virginia. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So and that's 13, 14 hours from suburban Chicago. Yeah, so, no doubt. Yeah, we're already we're already, uh, we're already put it this way. We're putting a lot of we're putting a lot of charges on the Southwest uh, credit card. <laughs> my wife, my wife does that with a miles card for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good. We use it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so another thing that you got started that I think is just uh, totally cool and uh, very positive and uplifting is the uh, co- a comedian crashes your pad. Yes. Um, so 
first of all, not every comic is going to get into doing little side projects and stuff like that. But when you do, it's really, it can really hit for you and it helps you in all facets. So that's just one thing I wanted to say that, you know, sure. um, you know, the podcast I'm doing is uh, helping me reach people that I never would have reached before. So um, this comedian, a comedian crashes your pad is just, I think it's just uh, something, if you want to feel good, that's a good place to go to. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. What it is, is I, I got very fascinated with the home sharing market, the Airbnbs and people mm-hmm. who opened their homes to strangers. And I'm a big believer. I, you know, you ask me how I write material. I have to be out talking to people. Mm-hmm. I can't sit in a hotel room or in my office. I can't sit by myself. We'd cover that and write material. I need mm-hmm. to have um, stuff going on around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to be stimulated. Uh, and the way to be that is is to talk to people. So I... And I also have always wanted to kind of get back into broadcast journalism, maybe not full time, but I did miss the idea of talking to people on camera Mm -hmm. and getting them to open up. Um, I always thought I was pretty good at that as a broadcast journalist of being able to go into a strange situation and get people to talk to me on camera who I'd never met before. Right. So I, I... I, I thought, wow, people are opening their homes to strangers. And I thought that's that's got to be kind of an interesting person who would do that. Uh, I couldn't do it. Mm. I, I could not have strangers come into my home unvetted. I, right. I can't. Yeah. You know? I mean, I can't even have some of my relatives come into my home. <laughs> you know, I know that. So, <laughs> and even that's a struggle. But, yeah. but I thought as long as I'm on the road and I maybe had an extra day um, – and had some time, why don't I investigate some of these areas? Because I go to, you know, Scott, I go to big cities, but I go to some small towns, too, to do these corporate events. They're not always in Orlando and Las Vegas and and Phoenix. A lot Mm. of them are, but a lot of them are in smaller towns. And so I came up with this idea that I would stay in a home share and find somebody who was willing to be filmed, to be where I could actually sit down with them. I could I could get a tour of their property on camera and then sit down with them and talk to them about why they do home sharing. And uh, and then if there was anything else they wanted to do, you know, hang out with them. Yeah. Hang out. With them. Go go to their favorite bar or do something that they like to do if they're willing to have me come along. So I um I, that's so that's how a comedian crashes your pad was born and it's a web series it is um it's picked up a little steam this year it's gotten it's it's on a couple of streaming media services it's currently being pitched at a as we speak well actually i think he's on his way over there right now uh-huh. at a film festival in berlin oh wow <laughs> so and, and i've done some of these i've done them in foreign countries too i had a date i had a date in vienna mm. austria uh, last November, and it, I had a stopover in London, and I thought, okay, I'm going to find one to do in London. And um, it's really, and for anybody out here who's listening to this podcast and thinks this is a good idea, don't steal it because I've trademarked it. By <laughs> <laughs> Let's just start with that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm serious about this. Uh-huh. But it, you know, people, I think people like to listen, like to watch how other people live. That's why you have a travel channel, and that's why you have an HGTV. And mm-hmm. I think there are. I think people are fascinated with that. And but to me, you know, I call it a comedian crashes your pad. But to me, the stars of the show are the people I I, I consider myself to be the straight man Mm. on episodes. I mean, I try to find people who are just a little quirky or maybe have quirky properties Mm -hmm. uh, 
maybe basically I try to find people who might be doing home sharing for reasons other than financial. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody wants to make money. Mm -hmm. There's bedroom and that's why they put it up. But there's a lot of people out there who I think have a, I don't want to say an agenda, but they enjoy um, talking to people about something that they're passionate about. And I Mm -hmm. find a lot of those people. So yeah, I've done about 35 episodes in 35 different cities and uh, um, plan to do more. And, um, you know, I like, I, I, I've branched out to making them a little longer. And if there's something weird going on in the city at the time I'm there, I want to pop into that. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not a travel, a reg, your run of the mill travel show where you're like, you know, Hey, you know, you're in Atlanta. Well, you got to visit Coca-Cola park and you got to visit, you know, it's like not the same stuff. Yeah. You know, San Francisco is not complete without a visit to the golden gate bridge. Well, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You know, thanks for enlightening me on that. Yeah. But, you know, I want to find something weird that nobody has been to. Yeah. And, yeah. and talk about that while I'm staying in uh, a home share property operated by somebody who's a little out there. Mm. So, <laughs> that's I'm having the best time doing it. That's funny. Uh, we, uh, a couple years ago, we uh, were in Iceland for a while and we did a, Airbnb and uh, the guy, the guy who uh, had that lived downstairs, and he was an interesting fellow. I, he he came to check on us one day, and he had either been pumping iron or went on a run or something. And he was just dripping with sweat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's hilarious. And one thing that I think is really cool about what you're doing, uh, what I've noticed on the HGTV, the Travel Channel, all that stuff, um, there is an element of it being scripted every time. Yeah. And on yours, it doesn't feel scripted. It doesn't look scripted. It reminds me of when reality TV was actually real people talking. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's probably why you're gaining steam because I think we've all become a little dis- disillusioned um, with uh, the reality TV that you can get on the networks and cable. So I think I think that's a really cool angle that you're playing there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I, and that's what I tell all my hosts. I'm like, you know, we're going to do the only things they have to agree to is they have to agree to uh, an on-camera tour of their property and they have to agree to a sit down interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have to say, and by the way, I release myself from, yeah. <laughs> so you can put this online. Yeah. Uh, so, but, and I always say when we do the on-camera tour, I go, we're just going to run the camera. I'm, it, this is all going to be in one continuous take. I'm mm-hmm. not going to stop you, you know, mess it up, say something stupid, say something you think is not funny, try to get you know, whatever you want to do. And I'll just go with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that really comes off in the episodes. And I think people eventually, they kind of forget the cameras running, right? Especially when it's, when, you, when it's your own house, when you're giving a tour of your own property, you know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's your house. Uh, it's, you know, you, you, you live here or, <laughs> or you made it. You don't have to be like, well, uh, let, let's see what's behind this door. I'm yeah. really not sure. Cause I never <laughs> opened it before. You know, you, you know, so <laughs> of course people are, it's like, you know, most people are comfortable talking about themselves. Uh, some people aren't, but, but you know, you're, you're most comfortable, I think in your own, in your own house. It uh-huh. should be me that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, that's just that's just a great idea, and uh, um, I I just want to tell you again uh, how impressed I am with your website. So that's uh, gregschwem dot com. That's uh, g r e g s h w e m dot com. Nope, not quite. Oh, g r e g s c h w e m. 
There you go. Good job. <laughs> Way to know how to spell your last name. But uh, I, uh, I, I mean, I was just totally impressed with it. And uh, when when you're doing something like you're doing, it's important to have that. Uh, like I said, the blog the blog is actually current. Uh, and uh, uh, I mean, your last uh, your last uh, entries on the coronavirus. I think that's uh, uh, definitely a, definitely a trending topic. And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I just think that's great. Now, uh, I couldn't bring that. Up. I wouldn't be able to bring that up probably at a corporate event because somebody would come to me and say, you know, my <laughs> husband's cousin's daughter knows a guy that has coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> and how come you don't know that? <laughs> you know, it was it, it really hit us because I mean we're just little uh, uh, rural Indiana folk, and uh, whenever we go to DC, we have to do a connecting flight to O'Hare, and uh, mm-hmm. we got to O'Hare. It was uh, it was about probably two weeks after the whole coronavirus thing came up, and we were just astounded at how many people had face masks on at oh, yeah. in, at, at yeah. O'Hare. Exactly, and uh, I was. I was just like, and then I read more into it. I'm like, oh, that's pretty serious. And uh, yeah. I think I might get a face mask myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hard to write jokes about coronavirus. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on a few comedy groups that people try, and it just it just <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> no, not really. Well, see, the tack I took in the article was that I just, you know, I, I, I was accused of having it. Because yeah. I sneezed in an elevator yeah, and I yep. heard somebody get off the elevator and say, you know, he's probably got coronavirus. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, the gloves are off lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so Greg, um, in addition to your website, how can people find you? Um, I would say that would be the best way. I'm, I'm on all the social media. If you, you search Greg Schwem on all the social media links, mm-hmm. either Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, you can find me. And if you want to see my, my pad crashing episodes, if you just go to YouTube and then just search a comedian crashes your pad, mm-hmm. uh, my channel will come up. Okay. And uh, hopefully there'll be a lot more of that soon. Well, Greg, I really appreciate you talking to me today. This was, uh, I mean, corporate comedy and what you do. You know, it's it's another thing for comics to do, and um, obviously you've done very well at it. So everybody wants their own Netflix special and stuff like that. But I, one of the things I've always wanted to get across to people is there is a way to make money being funny without having to be like ultra famous. And yes, and, right. and uh, it looks That's like you're, you yeah, it looks like you're doing very well at that. Well, Greg, thank you so much for being on the show. This is this has been a great show, and um, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me on, Scott. Thanks.